pulled together the natural way. Neighbor with The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, September 12th, 2017. I'm John Lago Marcino. Today on The Dispatch, we're talking about charity. First, I talked to Paul Blessed about disaster relief. And then to Gabby Del Valle about crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe. Here's The Dispatch. Power. In the wake of recent hurricane disasters across the U.S., we've heard a lot about the importance of donations to help us with relief effort. Outline contributor Paul Blessed wrote this week that Donald Trump's inaugural committee plans to donate a million dollars to the Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, and the American Red Cross to help with the relief. But is that really the best way to help? Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what does it mean that the president is supposedly privately donating relief funds? So he's donating a million dollars each to those three organizations um, from his inaugural committee, which had over a hundred million dollars, I believe. Um, so he, you know, it, it's sort of a way to distract, I think, from the terrible relief efforts in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, there's there's still parts of Texas and Florida that are that are struggling. You know, this sort of is in line with his idea, and you know, broad, broadly speaking, this conservative idea that um, there's nothing that can't be done with private charity. There's this idea that goes back to Goldwater and Reagan that, you know, government, uh, you know, taxes and, and, and the government are sort of putting these restraints on private charity and the goodness of, of people. And it's just not true. You wrote that Ronald Reagan cut $35 million from public spending in the 80s. How did that work out? Uh, it didn't work out well at all. <laughs> you know, one one of the things he said in his speech was that uh, we let government take away many things that were once considered uh, ours to do voluntarily out of the goodness of our hearts. So in 1981, you know, they they cut $35 billion in public spending to things like Medicaid, food stamps, um, the Aid to Families with Dependent Children program, which was re- later replaced by uh, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. And, you know, four years later, it was a miserable failure. Um, and, you know, there's a quote from an, an executive for charitable giving at Gannett uh, back in 1985 that says, with the cutbacks of government money to human services agencies, all the foundations and corporations have been getting more of these requests because the needs are immense and the problems of the poor are getting worse. Where does this impulse for the privatization of human welfare come from? I think that, you know, there's there's a couple of different prongs to that. Um, I think that one is sort of this promotion of Christian charities. I mean, even two of the agent or two of the charities that Trump gave money to are the Salvation Army and uh, Samaritan's Purse, which is run by Franklin Graham, who is the son of Billy Graham, uh, who's a very obviously very influential pastor in North Carolina. And Franklin Graham was a pretty heavy supporter of Trump, even in the primaries. Um, so I think that you know one aspect is is the Christian charity aspect of this. The second is, you know, there's just this aversion to to the public commons. And, you know, it it really just goes back to this idea that conservatives hate taxes. Uh, I was raised Catholic and there's this standard earmarked rule that basically 10 percent of your income should be right. set aside for the church. Yeah, I, I was also raised Catholic and I was I was told the same thing. And, you know, what's weird is that there's this notion now um, that conservatives are more willing to give up their their money for charity than, than liberals are. And, and there's a couple of studies that have said that, but I, I think that that sort of distracts on the main point, which is that, that it shouldn't matter. Um, 
you should just be giving this money through your taxes, funding public services, and and that's what they're averse to. So getting back to Trump's donations, how does that money, in theory, actually uh, directly help with with natural disaster relief? So, uh, you know, especially with with the Red Cross and and Samaritan's Purse, it'd probably be in building housing um, just for like food and supplies and stuff like that. I mean, housing is definitely a big one in, in the northern part of the island. It's just been like devastated. So it, it would it would be a lot of like sort of rebuilding infrastructure. You know, as as Haiti shows, it, it's really hard to do that with just a million dollars. I mean, there are 3.4 million people who live on, on the island of Puerto Rico. So, you know, that's that's less than a dollar per person for for relief efforts. Right. And, and I've seen some estimates that say the cost of recovery is going to be about ten thousand dollars per person, you know, by the by the time this is all said and done in Puerto Rico. In the meantime, then the federal government is surely footing some of the bill. Yeah. Yeah. So there has been a, a plan that was introduced. Um, it, it's thirty five billion dollars that the government is is putting towards relief efforts. And that that's supposed to cover. Irma, Harvey, and Maria. And the biggest piece of that for Puerto Rico is $4.9 billion in low-interest loans that, that have been provided to them by the Treasury Department. And, and that's going to help a lot. Uh, you know, and, and that sort of shows that public spending can do this job better. I mean, $4.9 billion is in, in just those loans are eight times as much as you know, the Red Cross raised during all of the, the, you know, the Haiti earthquake. And, and the total amount here is $36.5 billion that the House Republicans have proposed spending on this emergency storm plan. Uh, yeah. The total cost, though, has been estimated to be almost $300 billion. So, yeah, it's it's barely 10% of what of what is actually going to be needed by, by the end of this. Just to play devil's advocate for a minute. Sure. If it seems to not be possible that people are willing to donate enough money in the form of, of charity relief, uh, why why should we believe that higher taxes in order to publicly fund it would be tolerated? So, I mean, I think that you can cut the defense budget. I mean, there there are things that, I, I'll say this with, with the caveat that this government isn't going to do this. Um, and I mean, the Republicans are not going to ever adequately fund, you know, all this stuff, especially considering that Puerto Rico does not affect their their vote totals at all. I mean, Puerto Rico does not count in the in the presidential election. They do not have elected representatives in Washington. Um, and until that happens, you know, there's not going to be this, you know, same urgency as if this would happen in 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 Texas or Florida. Um, so I think that you know there needs to be it, it needs to be a reframing of the debate, and it, it's going to take a long time to sort of convince people that that their money is being well spent because you know. Part of part of Reagan's political project, which has you know succeeded very well, has been to convince people that there is a difference between taxpayer money and public money. So you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you just need to raise taxes. I mean, how it gets there uh, is is up for debate, and there's going to be pushback from it, and it's going to be hard. But you know, I think that these these hard things are worth doing. Paul, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Paul Blessed is a contributing writer at the Outline.
power. As we talk about the balance between publicly funded social services and private welfare funding, crowdfunding comes to mind. Websites like GoFundMe and YouCaring exist, ostensibly, to channel money directly from individuals to people in need. But it can be a little bit murkier than that. Outline writer Gabby Del Valle wrote about crowdfunding issues back in June. Gabby, thanks for being here. Hey, John. Thank you. So for the audience who isn't familiar, let's step way back. What is crowdfunding as it pertains to charitable giving? There are crowdfunding websites that people use for professional reasons like Indiegogo and Kickstarter to kickstart a business or get funding for something. But these charitable crowdfunding websites are different because they're primarily used for individuals to pay for things like school and healthcare debt and medical bills. People turn to these services because they can't afford necessities. If you go on GoFundMe.com, there are categories that you, you as a donor can choose from. There's education, medical, charity, emergency, animals, memorials. Like People are crowdfunding their funerals because funerals are also very expensive. Wow. Yeah. And does it work? How much money are people getting through these? It really works for some people. I clicked on the medical crowdfunding section. There's a family that raised $104,000. There's another family that raised $117,000. And part of the problem with GoFundMe is that it relies on you marketing yourself and your story and the tragedy of it all so that people feel compelled to give to you. I spoke to Rob Gleaser and Joseph Feller, professors at the Cork University Business School at the University College Cork in Ireland. And Rob told me that for all of the happy stories that you see on these crowdfunding websites— Most of them are failures in that they either don't get any money at all or they don't reach their stated goal. As many happy stories as they are in charitable crowdfunding, there are a lot of really worthy causes when you browse these platforms that nobody has given assent to. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, that's just mean. People haven't come across them. How many GoFundMe projects don't get funded at all? A study published in August in the journal Social Science Medicine found that 90% of GoFundMe campaigns never reach their goal. And Rob told me that when they analyzed the crowdfunding campaigns on a similar website, Razu, a third didn't receive any funding at all. So we could go on and on about the success stories and failures of campaigns on crowdfunding websites. But this all points to a bigger problem that there just isn't enough charitable funding for just people who cannot either survive or make ends meet. On their own. Yeah, I mean, if you look at these, the campaigns on these crowdfunding websites, it's things like college tuition, books for school, supplies for public schools, medical bills. And I think there are two main problems here, which is that the price of basic goods and services that we all need is more than the average American can afford. So people keep turning to this concept of charitable giving to fill a void that has been left by a lack of adequate government services. The problem isn't GoFundMe or any other crowdfunding website specifically. The problem is that people rely on these websites and on the goodwill of others and on the reach of their social network to spread their message of how much they need money. A lot of people aren't asking for frivolous things. They're asking, like, please help me pay for my surgery. Please help me pay for my college tuition. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any other place to turn. And then the other side of these GoFundMe stories being kind of engineered to be as viral as they can be 
that's where we start opening the door to like scam GoFundMe pages, right? Yeah, I think the thing is there are so many people in need that every time a person looks, they're like, how can I verify that this is real? There are so many tragic incidents that happen that where other people make a GoFundMe for someone. They're like, oh, I saw this person be abused. I'm raising money for them. And you always, like, as the person who's giving, you immediately think, like, is this real? Like, should I give this person money? I mean, if you think about, like, when Ronald Reagan was talking about welfare queens and people who don't deserve what they're being given, it's kind of permeated, like, all aspects of our society where you're like, is this person who's asking for this, are they lying? Are they telling the truth? And, I mean, people on, there are people on GoFundMe who do lie. So that's the other side of it. Like, you never know. But there are fewer people who are doing welfare scams out there. There are fewer people who are committing fraud to get the health the healthcare that they need. The problem, again, is not GoFundMe or even people make, doing scams on GoFundMe. The bigger problem is that the opportunity exists because we have this incredibly inadequate social safety net. Gabby, thanks for being here. Thanks, John. Gabby Del Valle is a staff writer here at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. Remember, you can catch us here every morning, Monday through Thursday. And to get the show, you can subscribe using any podcast app you use. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, anything. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Lagomarsino. More stories on Monday.